It's the Super 90s Brothers! Everybody scream! Everybody scream! In our town of Halloween! Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, where we do hazy memory riffs on the rip-roaringest decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about the nightmare before Christmas. We're here, Adam. We're in October. It. We decided to do a horror movie. And so we decided to do Nightmare Before Christmas. That seemed yeah. to, that that seems to make sense. Yeah. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm really uh, I'm doing great. Good. We're we're in the middle of October, and I am ready for this year to be over. Yeah. I mean, have you met the new boss? A lot like the old boss. It's kind of a. a Ditto, ditto to 2020, except maybe a little more knowledge, a little more vaccines, but pretty much the same result. Yeah. How are you doing, Adam? Dude, uh, I don't know. I'm in some new headspace, you know, where I, mm. where I, uh, I'm, I, I don't even know how to explain it anymore. I'm just like adjusted to a new world. I don't know. A whole new but, world. Yeah. Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited for this episode. Why don't you do what you always do and tell everyone how they can do all the things. All right. So as always, we want you cool cats and kittens out there to give us those badass five-star reviews on Apple iTunes music. Uh, you can email the show at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. At Super 90s Rose on Twitter. Brennan is at Spocast Pods with a K. And I'm at AdamPitzler.com. You can check me out. So, yeah, we'd love to interact with you guys and get that shit done if you haven't already. Like, come on. If you're like a regular listener to the show and you haven't done that, like, come on. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It, as I say on a couple of shows, it is literally the thing that stands between me and Adam becoming millionaires is you, the listeners, going and reviewing us on Apple and and subscribing that's big yeah. too clearly it's in their hands like we have all the talent of of justin bieber and of mm-hmm. who, who who would you be in this um, who's that who's that dj you like that you went to seattle the dj oh i don't remember what his name was i, I didn't that that was like going with a friend to go like hang out well, with you him. can be a bts member okay i'll be a bts it's like justin member. it's like justin bieber and one of the bts guys doing a podcast for y'all yes like, exactly you're wel- perfect you're welcome yes um, and yeah, it, but it had we if we were more popular, if more people listened to us, we'd be we'd be really rich right now. Well, there was a time when Justin Bieber was posting his videos on YouTube, and BTS was probably like dancing in in like a, a playground with like six girls watching. So that's true. Um, so uh, 
we we hope our six girls like us. Assuming we have six actual women that listen to us, there I I know there's at least two, but our moms. Oh yes, yeah. Um, our wives no. Uh, our wives absolutely not. <laughs> and if All you right. and if you are listening to the show and you like it, share it with your friends. That's another thing yeah, I'll say. That's the key. Yeah. See if you see if other people might like it. Anyway, um, so forget all that. Let's let's do the show. So again, what I've been doing this last couple episodes is I want to set the scene for you all. And this movie debuted October 29th, 1993. So that would have put Brennan and I at about nine and a half years old, mm-hmm. a couple of days before Halloween. Yeah. So now I want you all to travel back in time for a moment. Picture yourself. It's October 93. You're in your family's old car on the way to movies, and the radio starts playing. And that was All That She Wants by Ace of Bass. Now this is some real fucking music, right? Yeah, this is yeah, this is this is some real music. This is a lot yeah. more of a far cry than what we have been listening to. Yeah. Um, Ace of Bass. I mean, I don't know about you, Adam, but I was a bass head. Oh, I loved Ace of Bass. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, who didn't like Ace of Base? I saw the sign, or the sign was this. The, I mean, they're they're one hit wonder. Like, Megas just was not. I guess they weren't a one hit wonder. They're a couple hit wonder. Um, I have an amazing story about this. Great. Nineteen ninety three. I really want this album. Like, it's came out. I want the sign. I want. I want. I want to be able to listen to this whenever I want to. And I go to Target, and they don't have it on CD. So I had like I probably had a breakdown in the store. Little nine year old Brennan <laughs> breaking down in the store. Don't have it on CD at Target. I'm like I want to like run around and go find it somewhere else. My parents don't obviously want to do that. So I like I like yeah, slum it and I get a cassette tape. Oh oh. So tell me about the tantrum. Let's go back to that. I don't know if I actually had a tantrum. I just like it was really bummed out. Like I'm I went to Target to buy the album. It was like I was going there for it. I had saved up all my pennies and I couldn't buy it or I couldn't buy the CD. I had to buy the cassette tape and that really bummed me out. But like, cause I'm a kid that always, I can't wait for anything. And so I, money was burning a hole in my pocket. So I just, you know, went to, went with the cassette, you know, I had a cassette player, I had a CD player You know, it's always better to have it on CD back then because you could just like skip through the track. Cassette tapes suck. You literally had to fast forward or, you know, rewind to, to listen to the songs. Yeah. You, you were really put out. It's a, it was a cold, dark time in the nineties where you had to use things like fast forward and rewind. Yeah. And Brennan wasn't having it. Little Brennan was, was tearing up and frustrated and he wanted the CD of Ace of Base and who didn't God damn it. That's right. Um, so, so this is a Swedish band. They're named after an old motorhead song. I found out. Mm. Um, so this song all that she wants is another baby. Is this song a warning that some girls just want to have sex with me? Like they don't really love me; they just want to have sex. Is that what I'm supposed to be afraid of? I don't. I don't think they mean baby in the context of like having a baby. I think they mean that all she wants is someone else to be with her, like another baby, like how you'd call like your your boyfriend or girlfriend your baby. 
Oh, I, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I guess all she wants is another baby. She wants that. The lyrics are like, she's a hunter on the prowl. You're the, you know, she's, she's going to use you for sex and leave. Like she's just wants to get pregnant and leave. That's a weird thing for a woman to do. It's a weird thing to, to warn a man about, like we're afraid of women who just want to have sex. Like, Oh no, these women don't want to have this long commitment. I don't have to meet the mother-in-law. Like, come on, where's my, like, I want to, I want to marry this woman, live with her 80 years. Like that, does that what she thinks men want? Or does she think they just want like a one night stand? Cause she's warning us gets, she's like, Hey, you know, that chick over there, she's a hoe. She just wants a one night stand. And you're telling that to a guy. And he's like, Oh, that's, 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 that's terrible. She dude. wants your, she wants your child support is what she wants. Maybe if that doesn't mention that. And I, I brought that up. Like, I was like, is this a song about warning us about a future welfare mom? Who's using you to like, to like get, to get your money it never mentions anything like that no it just says she fucks you gets pregnant and she disappears in the middle of the night that's not a welfare mom like those women they save your contact info well, yeah they do i i and they send you a bill i i'm not sure but i like this song i like this album and i really enjoyed ace of bass for like the the year i had and i ended, ended up, i ended up getting the cd out of you know threw away that t- cassette tape and got a got a cd good the world is all right in your house once that happened Yep. So this this was the number three song in the U.S. on October 30th, 1993. What was um, number one and two? I don't remember. Some shitty R&B songs probably that I skipped. I'm not, <laughs> I told you I'm not doing those anymore. So um, anyway, back to Nightmare Before Christmas. You're on your, you're in your car listening to this song, pulling up to the movie here. It's, you're nine years old and like, like, do you remember, do you remember when you first saw, I, I actually do remember my, my theater experience. I I actually don't. This is one of the movies I I don't know if I actually I think I saw in the theater with um, my next door neighbor. Like I think one thing I always my always used to do a lot was like my next door neighbor would go to a movie and he would like bring me along. And where I live, like the the cinema near me, like because I lived out kind of like in the the country and the country like in a in whatever you call it, like a suburb of like in the like country, two, like but like. My- Miles away from, me. I, yeah, I live like three, four miles away from the movie theater, and so he'd always take me. Um, and so I definitely saw. I don't have a great memory of it though. I have other memories of it for later in life, but we'll get to that later. So when I was this age, my mom was working at, at this kiosk at a jewelry store in the mall in Federal Way, and like it was like it must have been October. I don't know why I was there. It must have been a Saturday or something. Like she had to work on a Saturday but like when I used to have to go to work with my mom sometimes because there wasn't childcare or whatever sometimes she would just like send me to the movies by myself and I think I've talked about this a few times this was one of the first movies that I remember going to by myself like oh wow my yeah. mom had to work and she would like she would like give me money and say hey you don't have to hang out here all day but you're like at the mall so there's you know there's stuff to do there's a video game store that I would go play video games at and there's a movie store I go buy movies or whatever and then there was a theater and a food court and like I I guess like when I tell that story, people kind of have emotions like, oh, you're by yourself. Oh, I don't know. I always thought it was kind of fun. I like had my own. I don't know. I felt like I was a lot more industrious than most nine year olds. Mm. I, I could go do stuff with money by myself, be totally fine. My parents felt totally confident in me. I was a very adult little kid. Oh, that's nice. Would you call yourself a mall rat? 
No. In fact, I just rewatched Mallrats and oh my God, what a pile of shit. I really don't like Kevin Smith. That fucking dialogue, man. Oh, so bad. Save it for you know, the save, save, save it for that like save it for that podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing that fucking show for a long time. <laughs> Burn through a lot of good shit before you get me to do mall rats. Um, um, so yeah, it was great. I remember thinking like it was a Halloween movie. It was uh, animated. It was a musical. It was it was PG, I guess, so I could go see it. Right. You know what I mean, at nine years old by myself. And, and I just remember thinking how beautiful it was. Yeah, like how different it looked animated in that it was stop motion animation not like drawn like which was a big deal i guess um which also was probably the reason why this movie was so short uh huge huge deal that it was stop motion i mean how many good stop motion movies have been made at that point right and very few and also i i think it was i mean it took years to make like it wasn't like a the process of making this movie was like started in the 90s like 1990 and yeah, just took forever to to, well, you know, to do all this. You know, Brennan, you can tell us all about that in my favorite segment of the day. Okay, um, late, in, later in the segment, or do you want me to tell you all about the bad synopsis? Yeah, that segment. Brennan's bad synopsis. All right, Brennan's bad synopsis. Um, what can I say about this movie? I've seen it probably forty times um, because my children. For whatever reason, this was like a movie that they like kind of latched on to when they were like three years old. Like we were letting them watch like it was like a rotation of Moana, Nightmare Before Christmas, Sing, and that's about it. Like it was these three movies. Nightmare and what was the third one? Oh, it was Sing. It's like a it's like a animals oh. and they sing. Oh. Like they're part of like a singing competition. Oh. It's like Matthew McConaughey and like Reese Witherspoon are the voices. Um it's a good it's a good movie. They're singing in it, Adam. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but one well, of them. I'm glad this was one of them. But one of the movies that my kids have really gotten into have been this, and we go back to it um, every. I mean, every every season, like right about this time, I actually turned it on the other night for them, and they're like, they're like, oh yay, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, it's like become that movie to them. Um, so this movie's about Jack Skeleton. He's a king of Halloween. Uh, he's they're fresh off. The, their latest Halloween and everyone's really excited because there was a night of just scaring all the kids who are out trick-or-treating and and everyone is very very happy except for Jack Skeleton because he's he thinks there's more in life than just Halloween um and I'm missing a lot of pieces here but like basically what happens is like it morose Jack and he's like he's telling his uh his his girlfriend Sally. I don't actually know if it's actually girlfriend. Um, his uh, girlfriend Sally that he's you know he's he wants more to life than just Halloween, and so he goes on a long walk and he discovers this like grove of trees that are all the different holidays. There's a Thanksgiving tree. There is a Easter tree. There's a something else tree. But there is a there is a Christmas uh, tree. Doors on tree. It's a doors on tree. Exactly. And so he opens up the, the door to the tree and he goes into, goes into the Christmas world where Santa Claus lives and he goes there and he, he finds out there is more to, to life than just Halloween. There's Christmas. And so what does he decide to do? He decides to kidnap. Um, Does he decide to kidnap 
So what he does is he goes back to the town and he tries to get the oh. town excited about Christmas and they don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. So he starts doing like a little salesmanship just to kind of get them excited. Yeah. And and making it he was like, I might as well give them what they want. And he so he kind of makes it seem a little more fun and dark than it is with San- Sandy Claws. Sandy Claws, that's right. Um Yeah, and so but then the three kids, like the three like they decide to go kidnap Santa Claus, right? For Jack. Like Jack puts these three trick-or-treaters going and kidnapping Santa and bringing him back, which okay. they do. They do do. Why don't you finish it up? Because like I the way that's funny is like I only know this movie to the to that part because that's when the kids usually fell asleep. I never so finished this it 40 movie. Times, I've, I've seen it half of it. I've never like really watched the end of it except for maybe three times. So but I think that's I mean, basically what happens is that they kidnap him. Jack Skeleton decides to like do Christmas with, you know, and, but he does it in a very Halloween way and it scares all the people that are, that it is Christmas. Like he goes and like takes presents and it's like heads in boxes. It's like a bunch of like Halloween style, like presents and everyone's really upset. And so then Jack has to basically, he has to go save Santa from the Oogie Boogie man who's kept him, who's kidnapped him. And so he saves him. Everything's right in the world. Santa Claus is free. He goes and saves, then Santa Claus goes and does Christmas. And that's pretty much the end of the story. Yeah. I'm Jack, missing, I'm missing a lot of guts in there, but like, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Jack tries to assume Santa's identity, but his townsfolk have like kind of made Christmas really fucking creepy all of a sudden. Right. So, so Jack goes back to Christmas land pretending to be Santa and spewing this this Halloweeny version of Christmas all over these unsuspecting kids and people in Christmas town and they're like fucking freaked out they're like getting attacked by monsters and <laughs> severed heads hanging on the trees and so they like they like shoot down Jack's sleigh <laughs> they, they like shoot it down with cannons or something like anti-aircraft gun and Jack and Zero, his little like reindeer looking dead dog with the bright nose like crash and burn. But luckily, Santa, the real Santa Claus, shows up because Jack has saved him or freed him at this point and saves the day, puts Christmas back where it's supposed to be. And Jack learns a lesson that what he's good at is creepy-ass Halloween and he should stick to his lane. Wow, that really that's – that's some life lesson there. Like, Yeah, it is. Don't, don't go chasing rainbows. Chasing waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to. So that's yeah. basically so that's, that's the synopsis. You, so this movie had a budget of 24 million and a it box 91 million million. That's a lot. That's a that's very, a that's a big uh that's a big difference. Very good. Very good return. Um so yeah, let's get into the characters a little bit. Brennan mentioned Jack Skellington, the King of Halloween. He's bored with his life, too much of the same shit. Jack Skellington was voiced by, you know, he was really voiced by Danny Elfman, formerly of Oingo Boingo. Um, the guy and Oingo Boingo and Danny Elfman did a ton of music scores like in the eighties and Elfman by himself in the nineties. Elfman's first score was for Burton in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And he's done almost every Burton movie since. Oh, wow. And after they cast Danny Elfman to be the voice of singing Jack Skellington, they paired that with, with the actor, Chris Sarandon, who played Prince Humperdinck in Princess Bride and was the main cop in the movie, the first child's play movie. Mm. because they thought his voice sounded like Elfman's voice. So that's really how that worked out. Um, 
and they do a great job they do a great job like jack's a great character he's um he's going through a lot he's our protagonist and he's definitely the most complicated and i will play a drop for you to kind of highlight a little great halloween everybody i believe it was our most horrible yet thank you everyone no thanks to you jack without your brilliant leadership not at all mayor oh, such a scream so jack, he's getting everyone on his balls like everyone's like oh jack you're the best thing ever i know it's the same every year but we love halloween it's like those people that watch hocus pocus every year we love it doesn't matter if it's good or not we're just so into it and uh jack's like oh the same old shit hocus pocus again you know and he's like fuck this place these people are idiots and he just wanders off into the night and sally the creepy toxicologist zombie woman who's all pieced together and stitched up and uses her body parts creatively follows him hears his lament which we'll get to that song later and that's kind of the crux of the story yeah um yeah that's about it that's really i mean that's him in a nutshell he's uh i don't even what is the king of halloween do you know what the king oh, of halloween pumpkin, is king. i don't know he, I, I imagine the the great pumpkin king so he's the, like he's like the basically king of the, ha- king of the pumpkin bat and so he's basically like santa claus of halloween terrifying villain in halloween in fact you know i read this awesome book maybe two or three years ago called dark harvest and it was a it was a small book like it's quick read it's like you know less than 200 pages i think and it's about this town in like the midwest in the 50s or something and they have this ritual every halloween where they like they take the most athletic teenager and they like kill him and they tie him up in this like pumpkin patch where the pumpkin vines sort of t- take over him and become him and the pumpkin boy who they call the October boy is sort of like this monster played by like the most athletic teenager who competes in this death race every year. And the, and the pumpkin boy has to get to this one church in the middle town while all the other teenagers are trying to kill him to earn the right of being the pumpkin boy the next year. It's this awesome weird book that no one's ever read. And I love it called dark harvest. Hmm, that's interesting. Why do you, I mean, I'm, I, I was looking this up and maybe you found something. Why in the world did they have two people do the voices of, like they had the singing voice. Like, is it because, because Danny actors El- can't sing? Well, I know, but can but can Danny Elfman not act? Is that is that the problem? Yeah, I think that is the problem. I think that's exactly the problem. Okay. Singers can't act, and actors can't sing. Perfect. They, they wanted the best of both for a musical, which is very common. Like, there's a lot of stuff over the years where you get somebody better than you at singing to do your singing voices. Yeah, no, I knew that. I know that's a typical thing in like musicals or animated musicals, at least. Um, well, let's get into the second character, Sally, who is voiced by the amazing Catherine O'Hara, who actually does both the singing and the acting. She's she's a what you would call a double threat. Um, talented. And, uh, and yeah, and she's been dubbed by some people in Hollywood as uh, the funniest woman alive. I don't know if that's the exact for a number quote. of years. She's held that title for a number of years by a lot of esteemed comedians in the business. People love Catherine O'Hara. She's incredibly funny. Like she has amazing timing and is, is a very entertaining actress. You guys would know her as the mom in Beetlejuice, the mom in home alone. And she was the slutty girl who's married to Eugene Levy in Best in Show, mm. like the couple that win the dog show. Like yeah. she's just, she's great. And now she's fa- another famous mom in Schitt's Creek. Um, yeah, Schitt's Creek. Which I haven't she, watched that. Though. Which she won, won an Emmy for. Um, yeah, and she and she plays Sally, and I don't really, really know what she is. She's like the the 
the assistant of the mad scientist, but she's also like a like a Frankenstein. She's a creation, she's a creation yeah. right? Yeah, um, and she gets and she's not happy either. Like she's not happy being like like she don't need no man. Exactly. She answers some man, and she doesn't like it. Right. Exactly. Um, what else you got to say about Sally? Not a lot, honestly. She doesn't say that much. She's she's a very passive character. Like Jack is Jack is the star of the show, and there's some other fun stuff going on. But Sally's kind of, I don't know. She's a little basic. Yeah. Um, I I, I think I said this earlier, but she's a toxicologist, which is a cool, I don't know, job to give your character. But other than that, but we do have a she she does have a great voice, as Brennan mentioned. Since there's something in the wind that feels like tragedies at hand, and though I'd like to stand by him, can't shake this feeling that I have. The worst is just around. Well, there you have it. Um, that was a uh, Sally song. I hate that song. Um, I hate. There's, I there's, hate a, there's a poignant lyric. Okay. The, the worst is just around the bend. Like that's mm. that's. Don't you feel that kind of in your soul during COVID? Uh, during COVID, yeah, I guess. Um, I just I hate ballads in in movies. Like they, I don't know. I just hate those types of songs. I always skip this song when I try when I when I watch it. Um. I mean, it's I make, very brief. I know. I it's still, not even a full song. That's true. I I still just don't like it. I'm, it it's, I just want to get it over with, Adam. Um, like that kid in Target still. You just want what you want. Yes. Um, so the other characters in the movie that we'll go through. So Glenn Shaddix plays the mayor. Glenn Shaddix was Otho in Beetlejuice with Tim Burton. You guys remember Otho was a great character in Beetlejuice. I don't remember seeing this guy in too much other stuff. I'm sure he has just. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. Yeah. The other, then the other character is the Oogie Boogie. Um, he's this. He's the bad. Well, I don't know if he's bad guy, but he's the worst guy in the movie. He's just the boogeyman, and he's very mischievous, and he's not on board with all of Jack's plans. But he's not. I don't know. He's not evil per se. He does some. He likes to fuck with Santa Claus. But to be fair, he is the boogeyman. What'd you expect him to do? <laughs> right. And Paul Paul Rubens, uh, Pee Wee Herman, and Greg Proops participated as voice actors in this. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, those are like really like, there's not a lot of, um, this, this movie is not a, 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 a traditional Tim Burton movie. I mean, obviously there's, you know, like you said, Catherine O'Hara's in it, who's in Beetlejuice, Glenn Shaddix, but like, there's not, there's not the stand in, the stand-ins of, uh, of all the other, you know, Tim Burton movies like Johnny Depp or Helena Bonham Carter. Like this is really the beginning of that. Um, and so I, I, well, I kind of go ahead. You know, he didn't direct it. So. Oh, he didn't direct it. Okay. Um, yeah. Other characters. I mean, there's uh there's like we mentioned, Dr. Finkelstein. There's the, I love the mayor in this. He's really um, funny. And he's also like two faced. Like I don't um, like mayors can be like, he has like a, he kind of changes his face. Like he, his face literally like turns like when he's happy, his happy face is on. And when he's like sad or scared, he like, flips his face and i i always enjoyed that um and the mayor's good jack i'm just an elected public official i can't make decisions on my own 
<laughs> um, and then there's the three trick or treaters who um, kind of are just they kind of, I don't really know what they do what their devices they kind of like help they steal Santa they they're a little bit of comic relief um, and we have a little oh, this is one I do like this song so here's a here's a song from the trick or treaters. better plan to catch this big red lobster man. Let's pop him in a boiling pot and when he's done, we'll butter him up. I'm trying to decide who the voices of these kids are. Um, is Paul is Paul, Ru- oh, Paul Rubens is one of them. Okay, gotcha. What do you have to say? What do you have, what, it's cute. I don't know. This, this movie has great music. I don't know what to say. Like, Danny Elfman has a great score. Danny Elfman has said that this was the easiest 10 songs he ever had to write. And you can kind of, you can very much tell. And that's why we're kind of, kind of do something different with this show. We're going to talk about our favorite songs. This movie's, it, it's a musical at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's a, it is a musical and there's, there's good catchy music throughout and everyone has their favorite songs and Brennan doesn't like Sally's song and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I personally am never overly critical of anything. So, right. Yeah. That's a little harsh Brennan, but I'm um, sorry. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll work with you. And so really the next, the next question is what's your favorite song of the rest? I, I think it goes without saying Adam that my favorite song is like the opening song. Is it the opening song? But yeah. uh, here it is. This is Halloween. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. There it is. This is Halloween. You know what I love about this song is that it kind of enters, not kind of, but it introduces you to like all of the the characters of Halloween Town. Like you kind of, you see all of the, all the different um, scary, scary people, scary people, scary characters like like the like and they're all like different like characters of of scary people you know of uh i'm 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 butchering it but you know what i mean adam they introduce everyone in a very effective way and they introduce you to the plot and the town it like just gets right going right away like this is the ceremony for the opening halloween festival and it's over and jack's like bored with it and like he immediately goes into this soliloquy about how he's like over it so it just sets up the whole movie so quick Mm mm-hmm which is uh, great. What is your favorite song, Adam? Um, my my favorite song is actually Jack's Lament, and it's I've got a story behind that. But why don't you go and play that drum? There are few who deny it. What I do, I am the best. For my talents are renowned far and wide. When it comes to surprises in the moonlit night, I excel without ever even trying. With the slightest little effort of my ghost-like charms, I have seen grown men give out a shriek. With the 
wave of my hand in a well-placed mode. I have swept the very bravest off their feet. Yet year after year... There it is, Jack's Lament. Um, yeah, this is basically him explaining why he wants to kill himself again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well said. So the reason this is my favorite song is because I actually ripped this melody off for my one and only New York stage writing credit, which was a play I wrote in college called Newlywed Hostage Party, which was a musical satire. And in the scene, there's this guy named, I forget his name, and he's singing to his buddy about how he just got married and he's miserable and he feels like his life is over now that he's married. And it goes something like, a young man dies when he wears the ring, the pain and death that marriage brings, what he would do for youth to extend. I'm sorry, friend, but this is the end. <laughs> so you like you you literally ripped it up from this like Oh yeah, the whole boot, the whole show was like that. We ripped off like popular melodies from musicals and put them in our show. Like mm. that was like it was like a recurring theme. And I got this one from this movie, oh. and it made it. Like this was performed in New York. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. that's cool. So yeah, that that would make sense. Why this is your uh, your favorite song? Yeah, um, oh, but there's other good ones too. Like um, like what's this is really good. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? That is probably the most famous song from this movie. Um, it's one, well, it's the most Christmassy song, I would say. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's very Christmassy, obviously. You think that's the most famous song? I think it is. What do you think is, I mean, it's either This Is Halloween or, yeah, yeah, or, say this or is What's Halloween. This? Like, I mean, there's, I can't think of anything else that's more famous than these two songs, those two songs. I mean, in my personal opinion. Um, it's one of my, and that scene is like so... I mean, it go you go from being in a Halloween world to being in Christmas world, and so like the you know it's this very and Jack and you know Jack doesn't fit in this world, but he's like discovering it and like everything that's happening in it is very um he's just learning so much now now Jack has a new a new lease on life I, uh, you know <laughs> um, he does. Well, he wants to. He, now he wants to go introduce an other holiday to uh, Halloween Town. You know, you know what it's like. It's like when a drug addict finds a new drug. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't know. You know what that feels like, but I guess sure. Yes. It's like a weed addict just tried coke for the first time and he's swimming in snow. What's this? <laughs> I don't think that relates, but I guess I'll, I'll let you have it. Pretty sure that was the subtext of the scene, but you know, I think it's, it's the subtext subtext of the of the whole movie. Don't. Don't go from just stay with your weed. You don't got to go and do other drugs. Just stay with you know the gateway drug. Yeah. Um, okay. And there's one other awesome song we'd be remiss if we didn't play. Go ahead. If I don't die laughing first, Mr. Boogie says there's 
trouble close at hand You better pay attention now Cause I'm the boogeyman And if you aren't shaking There's something very wrong Cause this may be the last time You hear the boogie song The Oogie Boogie song. Uh, is it really called Oogie Boogie Solo? Um, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> but uh, this this song like, is right around the time the kids start falling asleep. And we always, when they were younger, we had to make, make sure that they didn't get to this point. Because I kind of feel like if they would have, they might have had like terrible dreams. Because this this scene is pretty pretty scary in regards to like the rest of the movie like oogie boogie is definitely like the most scary like thing in this movie everything else is pretty like toned down but oogie boogie is like is gross like when he gets killed and like all those like bugs come out of him is like is super creepy oh, i guess i was i guess i don't know i was never he's You're, a giant pillow i don't know and he sings how scary is that no it's just like the the visuals are scary I guess. The one I, thing I, think I the kids could have handled it. The one thing I'm always confused about is did Jack get the kids to steal Santa Claus, or did they not? Yes. Jack did. Yeah, but they like they kind of oh, they like went overboard. They okay, like were rough, and you know they and then they took him to Oogie Boogie, I think. And I never understood. Like I, I was just like, why did they do that? Like I thought they were working on the same team, and then they like I guess just because they're kids, and they you know they. Didn't really they were know. Wicked little kids. Wicked yeah. little kids. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Those are those are some of the some of the songs from uh, I mean, that we've covered a lot of them. I I actually don't know many more of the songs in this in this movie. Yeah, I, there's not too many more um, um, that are that are memorable anyway. So let, let's get into the production history. This was uh, this screenplay was done by a woman named Caroline Thompson, who also wrote a, a few really really successful '90s movies: Edward Scissorhands. Homeward Bound and Adam's Family, the original, like oh, and like Nightmare Before Christmas. And she also wrote Corpse Bride. Like, way to go, Caroline Thompson. That's a hell of a list. It is. Ad- Edward Scissorhands, Homeward Bound, Adam's Family, Corpse Bride, and Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's like amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. The director, Henry Selick, or Selick, um, he did like, he's like our, the stop motion king. He did j- this movie, he did James and the Giant Peach. He did Monkey Bone, which sucks. But then he did Coraline, which is also awesome. So he's like Hollywood's number one stop motion go-to guy, I guess. Mm. Is Was James and Giant Peach a Tim Burton or is that not? No. Tim Burton. Okay. That's Royal Doll. Yeah, it's Royal Doll. But like I, I didn't know if like he was like a part of like creating it. I think I just associated all of these um, stop motion movies back in like the 90s to, to him just because I was a kid. And like obviously like. Caroline is his, but like that's not nineties. But uh, I, I guess I always just, just assumed Monkey Coraline Bone is ne- Tim Burton's. Is that what you said? Coraline's Tim Burton, isn't it? No. Oh, see, that's another thing. I always got got that confused. So I was wrong. All right. Well, the director admitted that most of the original screenplay dialogue was scrapped or rewritten, and that the whole thing was ve- like a very organic process. They mm. were just like constantly changing it along as they went with their with their stop motion animation being the primary focus. Yeah. And like the director said, like uh, he like said something like, I'm not trying to 
downplay Tim Burton's genius or anything, but he really wasn't on set that much. He didn't have the time to do a meticulous stop motion movie. You know what I mean? Stop motion is, oh, it is, it is an exercise of patience. Mm. And there's a lot of people that don't have that patience. And maybe Tim Burton does. I certainly don't. Stop motion is like, oh my God, kill me already. Just move everything like a half a fraction of a centimeter, like again and again and again and again and again and it never ends. Yeah, I've watched the making of this. I, I have a... I have a weird memory of watching the making of this movie back on the Disney Channel back in like the '90s, and I remember watching it. and And the, yeah, stop motion animation is—it's literally like if you think of a friend, like uh, I, I should have to break this down for everyone, but like doing stop motion animation is literally like if it's 30, 30 frames per second, you've got to change that frame every thirty times per second. Like that's a—that's a lot. <laughs> That's like, and if you watch this movie, you would never notice like that, like how much, but like that is so like, but there's so much like twisting around, jumping, like the, the animation in this movie is so spectacular. Like, I don't think it can be, I don't think it can be said enough about how, how crazy it is that this movie was all done by people's hands and all the different like pieces that had to go into making these characters move and you know, it just, it seems like just like a crazy process. Sounds like, doesn't sound like any fun at all. No, it sounds awful. I never want to do it ever. I have a, I have kind of a friend. I don't know if he likes me, <laughs> but there's this guy I know in Spokane that does it. And it just, Oh my God, it seems like so much work. Um, so back to James Tim Burton, I'm sorry. The yeah. original poem, this was, this was just a poem originally um, that Tim Burton had written in the eighties and they were thinking about doing as like a Christmas special or something through Disney, but it was too like weird. And uh, Disney couldn't really like, they didn't want to put their banner on it exactly. So Tim Burton, he did home the story, some art concepts and production design. Um, but he was too busy working on Batman 2 and pre-prod for Ed Wood to really be involved. So mm. Tim Burton gets all the credit for this movie, which is kind of a shame for Henry Selick, who, who directed it. Yeah, well, it, it kind of seems like it's one of those situations where, like, because, like, I kind of always thought this was Tim Burton, but when you when you look at more into it, it's obvious that it's not. It's just, like, he came up with the... It, they're using his name. Like, it's, like, it's called, like, it's literally, like, Tim Burton's, uh, like, Night, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's just, like, it's like how Steven Spielberg was, like, before Tiny Toons Adventures. Like, I bet you... Steven Spielberg had nothing that didn't was not working too much at t with Tiny Toons, but like they just put his name on there, and more people watched it because it's has his name on it, right? I guess I know. I remember thinking as a kid, like, who cares? This is a cartoon. For, I don't know. I for, yeah. for Spielberg, I mean. Oh but, right. Um, anyway, the uh, this movie did receive an Academy Academy for Best Visual Effects, which was the first time an animated movie was ever nominated. So that's. That's pretty cool beans. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, definitely would have probably won uh, whatever it's called, cart cart animation, but that didn't exist yet. So, you know, we've, we've I, I, you know, one thing I want to say about this movie is that in a lot of early Tim Burton movies, you can kind of see Tim Burton viewing himself through the protagonist. Mm. Like, in particular, like this in Edward Scissorhands is very like, I'm this dark, creepy dude, and I'm good at it, and I love it. But the real world is is beckoning me and I have to crawl out of this dark, creepy world to go assimilate. But in the end, that's just not who I am. I'm dark and creepy. And I feel like 
I, I feel like Tim Burton that he kind of sees himself that way. Like he's this dark, creepy guy who, who is a great filmmaker and had to get into like the modern world, but really what he's great is being creepy. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, I would say even Beetlejuice kind of yeah. is, is even in that realm too, just because like that was, I mean, that was all of Tim Burton, like the eighties and early nineties. Or I mean, I guess it's all he does. That's, that's the type of movie he always makes. Like I'm always surprised when he makes like big fish was like a movie that like, wasn't like anything wasn't very Tim Burton like ask, you know, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Tim Burton's a, he's an interesting person. <laughs> I was very interesting and, and a visionary and expected. And I wish I had his career. Yeah. Um, so I haven't liked everything he did, obviously, but I've, I've liked a lot of it. And it, it, certainly you have to recognize the talent. Um, so Brennan asked a dumb question. He said, is this a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Well, first, which let is, me do the drop. Like, That's some dumb shit. It's like, what fucking elements of this movie has anything to do with any modern Christmas movie? Santa Claus is in it? He gets kidnapped. He, he almost gets killed. He always gets eaten by a giant boogie monster. Uh, the... It has the word Christmas in the title. Yeah, that's that's why this stupid debate comes up. It also has the word nightmare in the title. If you ever like watched any Christmas movie ever, there's no nightmares. There's no boogeymen. There's no severed heads. Like this, this isn't this is a dumb question. This movie debuted two days before Halloween. You think that was an accident? Uh, no, I think it was it was on purpose because it like started before Halloween and then. They decided, you know what? We're going to ride this through to the end of 1993, and this movie is going to be in the theaters for almost three months, and we're going to make a ton of money, which, you know, they did. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't I, I don't like I don't care about the argument if it's a Halloween or Christmas movie I Halloween takes place in this movie for like five minutes the rest of it takes place during like the preparation for Christmas and then Christmas in the end and in the end they have to have Santa Claus save Christmas and um, and Jack learns him about himself like it, 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 whatever you want it to be uh, people like want to name it something because of whatever like go to the you also go to the halloween store and there's an entire section for characters from the nightmare before christmas so like all that's whatever is people hate christmas movies and they want an excuse to watch this instead exactly um which is fine one of my favorite things about this movie is how short it is only 76 minutes um (laughs) i wasn't expecting that um but I love that. Why can't more movies be 75 minutes? Why? I don't Why is it that movies can't be shorter? Because they're full of themselves. We have so much to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I could always go for, I could, I could go for an extra 14 minutes to make you this. Could always go for an extra four hours. <laughs> um, so, one thing I wanted to mention is that the famous Haunted Mansion ride at Disney is now this. It's like the Nightmare Before Christmas ride. Oh. It's like the Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion. It plays Nightmare Before Christmas music and has Nightmare Before Christmas characters in it. It's not the Haunted Mansion anymore. Um, is it a fun ride? Yeah, it's cool. Never it's been, I've never been to Disneyland, so I don't know any about, the, about these things. I feel like it was the very first ride Jill and I did, actually, mm. um, when we got there. Anyway, the... The franchise had um, a bunch of spinoffs, um, including concerts and rides. Like I just said, video games. I own a I own a, 
a version of this on Xbox. Um, a video this, game. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, the game. It's not. It's not great. But yeah. My point. My point is, this is a whole franchise. It is. Um, what is your feelings on it coming back ever? Oh, you know, I mean, it's stop motion, so i I don't see there's I don't see there's any cause to. I recently watched the first half again on Disney in H in like HD remaster, whatever. It looks amazing. Mm. I don't know what I, you don't. It's not going to look better, and it's not going to sound better. So I, I'm not I, sure what you gain. I don't think that I don't think they're going to re, would remake it. I think it's ripe for a sequel or a TV show for Disney. Like, I mean, Disney takes all their IPs now and then this regurgitates them now. So like, I'm surprised. I know the one thing about this is that Tim Burton, you know, was always, he's not, doesn't like doing sequels, which is strange because he's doing Beetlejuice too. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, the dollar signs are there. Like you could definitely make more money off of, uh, off this. So, I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Well, so. you know, this is a, this is a, cute movie it's it's beautiful it's a musical it's you know i we've covered all the best songs we know the story is there anything else to talk about though i i, I wouldn't say that it's, it's overly deep yeah it's 76 minutes long there's not much to talk about you can go we, we our show has almost been as long as it takes to watch this movie so there's not like there's not humongous character character development or anything like that. it's just a fun movie it's a fun movie to watch with your kids so if you have kids Watch it with them. If you don't have kids, watch have it with kid. like that, watch that it with you your watch it with your partner. Like it's just a find fun a movie. Sweet, find a Swedish girl on the beach who just wants a baby, and then you'll have kids. Yes, exactly. And then you can you know play that play this movie for your that kid and while listening to Ace of Base, and then listen to this song, and then I mean, that song, then listen to this podcast. And uh, we would have told you all along is that um, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have went for that girl. She just wanted. So, <laughs> all right. So one last time, uh, we would love it if you guys give us those awesome five star reviews and Apple iTunes Music. Reach out to us at Super Nineties Brothers at gmail.com, at Super Nineties Brothers at Spokecast Pods, AdamPitzler.com. For Burn and Pointer, I am Adam J Pitzler. This has been another severed head throwing episode of Super Nineties Bros Nightmare Before Christmas style. And remember, if some oogie boogie's ruining your favorite holiday, just rip that fat bastard's clothes off. Peace.